Now tell me if you remember No telling if you remember I'll never forget I'll never forget Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I have with me today a gentleman I haven't seen in almost a year. I met him at um, Blacks in Tech, their um, first conference they um, had in Minneapolis, I guess it was last October. And I was really impressed with this young black man. And I told him then that I wanted him on my show and finally tracked him down. And so I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, Jared. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. And thank you for having me on. <clears throat> uh, my name is Jared Arms. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Kyler.io, which is a tech platform for communities and uh, startups based out of St. Louis, Missouri. And I launched it about six years ago in 2013. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So we're going to get more into that. So I always start my show with two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? Mm, great questions. So one, um, the first one, why is it important to cause a scene? Just to help break a lot of uh, today's cycles that we're still currently facing. And I know <clears throat> coming up in St. Louis, Missouri, just uh, like like uh, low education, uh, like real high statistics when it comes to certain communities being HIV and AIDS infected, high number of uh, people incarcerated and things like that, but just real low numbers when it comes to say business owners in the tech industry or just blockchain specialists or game developers and things like that. So trying to cause a scene to make sure that we could just change the status quo. So a program that I had uh, launched in 2014, a year after our uh, initial launch was called Kyler.io for Kids, which is a kid-friendly version of our parent company. And we had launched this uh, partner with companies like Connections to Success and Grace Hill in the north side city of St. Louis. And the way we've been able to expand on that is by um, basically just really teaching like some of these underserved teens they like to call them at-risk teens, but I like to call them high-potential teens. And by teaching these students these new tech advanced skills, we just hope to uh, inspire them to want to take that as a career path and then eventually being able to just travel or just have a different outcome when it comes to the future of their career. And uh, we've been having some real great success. A lot of partners have joined on board since 2014. So uh, now we've been able to work with Clayton Family Court, which is a pretty popular uh, court system down here in St. Louis. And they have something, a juvenile detention center within a court system like a lot of them do. So we got our tech camp inside of there now for about a year working with the young Jewish students, uh, partnering up with just different school districts like Hayeswood School District was the school district I attended. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, that, you, know how, you know how it goes in St. Louis. So just having all them connections and stuff like that. So it's been going good. But uh, we also launched other programs to try to cause a scene too in a different ways so not only teaching the kids how to build apps and websites but so my mom Milana Arms we partnered together and uh, she's mm-hmm. a licensed clinical social worker so with her having her uh, credentials we launched a trauma program and the reason why it's a lot of reasons but one in particular uh 2014 it was one of my students that I was teaching at this school called um well I just keep that private for his security but basically one of these third graders had uh witnessed his brother um uh, basically get slain and things like that. And he was, he came to school like the next day. So that was my first time actually meeting that student that day. He'd been up at the school for some time. And when I got connected, he was like one of the students that was just dazing up. Basically they had him upstairs all day. When I went to go see what was wrong with him, he was telling me what had happened, but he ain't telling nobody else at the school. I'm sure his parents told the school and things like that, but I don't think that they knew that's why he was acting out. And I was like, man, um, you know, they got the funding for me to get paid. They got the kids up here, everything going right with the STEM program, but you traumatized, man. So I was like, let me, you know, try to connect with some good people and try to uh, just provide some other services for that. And then, uh, then it was a lot more other urgent situations too that made us launch that program. So now we focused on, uh, you know, providing mental health therapy as well as like STEM career development. So those are like my main two primary uh, core programs at Kyler.io that we focused on and everything else kind of manifested from those two 
Um, so those are like the two main ways I try to do to create a scene. Of course, I know we're going to engage deep in the conversation. So just two more things that I think would be important. On the decrease in the gun violence side, we launched a program, uh, not a pro program, I would say like a workshop called a nonviolent video game jam in 2017 with the St. Louis County and City Police Department and the Microsoft Store. And that's where we gathered 20 white male officers and 20 uh, juvenile students. <clears throat> and at that and at that note, they were kind of at risk just because of the position they was in and, and connected them together where they could play uh, the Xbox game at Microsoft Store in the Galleria Mall out here. Uh, basically playing nonviolent video games with each other to humanize the community. And then from that, I was like, well, you know, aside from them playing video games, let's have, <clears throat> let's have them actually build video games. And then we launched that one uh, 2018, last year, partnered with the Boys and Girls Club. And then we all, uh, attracted like African-American as well as Latino officers to really, really try to humanize the community. But the idea was that because <clears throat> one of the um, one of the colleges that I'm working out of is some is a place called St. Louis Community College is like literally like four or five minutes down the street from the uh, the event where Mike Brown death took place. So when I have some of the students coming outside of that college right on Flo uh, West Florissant again, uh, some of the students, of course, be like grades K through eighth grade. So they may be like ages five or six through 14. But for a lot of the 15 through 18 year olds or 15 through college, when they when the, one, the ones who do have to walk back down the street on West Florissant, we want to uh, we want folks inside of the computer lab to be like, hey, I, I, I know this young guy, this young lady, Jane and John Doe far as the IT instructors and then when they leave, not saying they're gonna know everybody, but then when they leave outside of the computer lab, if they run into one of these officers, this officer may remember him as a game developer or as, or as an actual man or a female versus just <clears throat> something that they see. So that's a, that's another thing that I'm doing to extend, like really trying to deal gun violence, knowing how much they really play a role into that. And um, so I would say, you know, those are just a little few things and stuff, but just a few. <laughs> yeah, I, you know how I mean. You <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so this is why I, I I knew this. We didn't even speak long, um, but I knew that there was um, because also, and 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 that was the conference that um, um, I met Nipsey Hussle and mm. and was on a panel with him and mm. you. Are doing were, are doing the same thing he was doing. You're just not uh, a, a, um, a rapper, but you're on the ground. You're in the community, and you're really doing things. And I want to say though, it's not just in St. Louis because I'm on when I'm on LinkedIn. You are everywhere. Yeah. You are everywhere. And I told you then. I told I was till I, I, I do remember a conversation because you were kind of. Like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm like, dude, own the shit you're doing. Mm. You, are, <laughs> you are making, you are the example that our communities need. And you're the example that white people need to see mm. that says, you know what? We don't need your handouts. What we need mm. you to do is get the hell out of the way. Mm. So we take care of our own communities because we know what's best for our own communities. And this is why diversity is so important because how would anyone have known or thought to have a nonviolent game um, day with white officers. And then, you know, that, that stuff that we know about our communities. And I love how, cause I'm, um, my start with working with young people was in the process called positive youth development, where we didn't, I know child was at, all children are at risk to me. If you don't, if be they white, black, brown, Asian, if they're not getting the things they need to develop um, into um, um, healthy, mentally, um, physically young people, they are all at risk. Mm. And so I hate when they make inner city kids at risk mm. um, because I can tell you the inner city kids are at risk in their communities. Affluent and privileged kids are at risk all over the damn place because mm. they have access to shit that we never had access to. So that's why they get in trouble on some levels we never heard of. Mm. Um, so we, one of the things we used to call it is at promise. Um, so positive development is seeing, not focusing on deficits, but focusing on potential or focusing on the positive. So I recognize where you are, mm. but I rec also recognize that's not who you are. Mm. That's just where, that's just your behavior, the things you've done, the situations you're in, but that is not who you are as a human being. 
And so um, you're speaking directly to my heart, particularly, again, when we're talking about um, you talking about your the trauma program you started with your mom. I um, was, was a high school teacher and I and and um, I'm certified special needs. And the last year of teaching, literally, I would push because they had me teaching math. I'm like, why are you doing this? So I would push my students into a math program with a um, with a, a, a qualified math teacher. And I would do discipline and counseling all day for the administrators because the worst behavior, what they considered the worst behaved kids would come to me because they knew they could tell me anything. Mm. Um, the ones that were in trauma, all that, I mean, just all, they knew that they could tell me anything. And I'm going to say something here. And it's always something that shocks people. Cause I always, and this is how we get students. I would say, so someone would come to me and say, Miss Creighton, yeah, this, this young lady was at a party, um, all weekend and she was, um, you know, doing this thing and I would go up to her and I'd say, so you were sucking dick all weekend. Is that mm. what we do now? And, and then they would look at me like, huh? And then, and I would have to say it in that way so they could get that. I, I get what you're doing. Now let's talk about why you're doing that. Mm. Um, um, and, and, and more times out of none, it was because there was some kind of sexual trauma that they were dealing with. They did not know how to make um, boundaries sexually um, and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's, it's getting beneath understanding what the, these young people are in trauma. They're dealing with trauma on a daily basis and getting outside of our that status quo that is middle class school um, behavior and and accepting these young people where they are and then providing and saying, I see you. There's nothing wrong with you. I might not appreciate or approve of your behavior, but that's just your behavior. That is not who you are. And, and on top of that, I want to provide you with the support so you can get the skills you need. And so when you're saying you're not only giving them um, career skills, but you're also giving them skills on how to cope with their emotions. And mm. that is so freaking important because this is why um, you're talking about down the street from where, um, you know, right where this young man was killed. How many of those young people have dealt with the trauma of that? Mm. Man, that huge amount, huge amount down to the, as I'm sure you've seen through the media <clears throat> and just other things uh, down to like, I know one of my younger cousins at the time, not now, but she uh, at the time, want to say, want to say like mm, either fourth or fifth grade in uh, cause that was about five years ago. So she, um, they was literally like probably like just two, three little streets down from a little quick trip. And I know it was a few little girls and things like that, that she was just having some trouble with on some like real little kid stuff, little picking jokes and all of that. So she used to tell me about it. And I try to give her a little advice and stuff. And she like was sens like sensitive and like the actual girly girly. So I'm like, let me not try to get her into no little fighter, but still stand up for yourself. And uh, after the death of Mike Brown, it was, uh, it was, uh, some guy had did some drive by shooting and ended up shooting at that house that the girl who was kind of joining on my little cousin was at, and they was all like young little kids and stuff like that. But uh, uh, she ended up dying from a straight bullet sitting in the bed, I believe, doing her homework. And that wasn't too long after that had happened with Brown. So even though it was a different situation, it was just different things that was occurring still like within Ferguson. So my little cousin, I'm asking her like, because with me, I talk about my friend Stacy passing at 17 and stuff, but with her still in elementary school and losing friends to gun violence, just doing their homework and they ain't out in the streets on drugs or acting like hoes or nothing like that is on a different little level of innocence. And I'm asking, what, how, how does she feel? What did she do? She telling me that um, that she went to school and told her friends that she was sorry for their loss and things like that. And I'm like, man, now you getting picked on, they making jokes on you and stuff. And one of them that lost their life innocently. And you still had the courage and the heart to go over there to basically be friends and keep the peace with them and stuff. So seeing how they going through stuff at a younger age, I was like, wow, uh, just dealing with it on top of the whole Ferguson situation, just other little stuff that's popping out from that. And uh, another one was uh, like, <clears throat> cause I was in New York, and in uh, St. Louis when they had both read the verdicts and stuff like that for Eric and for Mike. So, you know, of course, in St. Louis, uh, 
I remember um, the actual day that they was going to get that verdict and it was like everybody trying to go home and stuff because they just thinking it's going to be all crazy junk. And the first time it happened where they just had that little riot, I'm at home um, watching it from TV and stuff. But the second time I was in school, actually in the class. <clears throat> and uh, so the kids, they was like, they was scared. And these like some little, the little turned up kids that, that I'd be connected with in the city, they were scared to go outside that building that day. And because uh, they really thought it was going to go down. And I, now I knew nothing was going to happen in that area that we was at because it was like in the city more so than Ferguson, which is kind of a little bit in the county. But they were still, I'm like, you know, it's good. And we kind of walked out a little bit, <clears throat> uh, just lo- walked out a little bit more calm and stuff like that or a little bit more. They was just a little timid, I would say. And I was like, man, it's kind of deep to see how it's affecting them like that. And um, we had this one partnership with this group called uh, Ferguson Radio. And then I was doing some little uh, podcasts and little streaming stuff with them for a minute in early 2015 when I returned from New York. But I ended up catching just a few folks, uh, some of them white women in there acting like they don't know where they at and what's going on. Little computers being left open. You seeing pictures with them and Darren Wilson and stuff like that. And I had to quickly, of course, exit my way. But I was just seeing how they still trying to manipulate and use folks trying to offer us these little fake wannabe little opportunities to help us grow our business. But at the same time, those just little pockets for them to kind of keep their eyes and ears on what's going on. So um, that type, you know, that that has been crazy. But uh, on the on going from that and then just going back to like some of the like the normal stuff that happened, like one of the young girls that was in the juvie center last year, <clears throat> she uh there's a lot of them outside of the juvie center that's sharing similar stories, but her is kind of touching because she got locked up for it. And she was saying that her mom boyfriend was touching on her and kind of molested her a few times and her mom didn't believe it. So she ended up running away and uh, she ended up stealing food and basically got caught doing that. And that's how she got in juvenile detention center. So you got a lot of brothers down there who working in there who just trying to get their checks. Some actually trying to make a difference. That's why they reaching out to people like myself and others. But uh, I was telling her, I was like, just because you don't have cash or credit right now, that don't mean that that's the only two means and how you can get food like that. She like, well, how else in the hell am I supposed to get this at 13? I ain't, I can't legally work or do nothing. And uh, I'm like, all right. So I, I we decided to kind of add more features to our collar coin. Uh, a little cryptocurrency project I was telling you about. And I was kind of sharing some of that to the folks at the Best Buy speech I had to give in uh, in October because the title, at first the title was Economic Empowerment Using Cryptocurrency, then the switch to how to recycle the black dollar using cryptocurrency. So it's more tailored. And uh, just to kind of go back real quick in October, it was a few folks asking some real good questions, but two of them that stuck with me was one, um, what's... Well, it was three questions, actually. One, what's the difference between you and King and Marcus Garvey with this black dollar idea? Two, um, I think one guy was from the Federal Reserve that was there. So he was asking with him seeing future agendas where they're going to be excluding cash from selected banks, replacing it with their own virtual currencies. Um, how will I be able to pay investors that's part that's, that's, that's members of those banks when they replace them? since everything kind of based off me replacing them with the USD right now. And then the third one was like, it's great that we can see that these um, kids can use this collar coin in order to benefit off and and receive these gift cards for free. But all of these gift cards from these companies are from white owned companies. None of them are black owned businesses. So the collar coin is cool, but it's kind of still profiting white owned businesses, not ours. So how can we uh, take advantage of that? And it was a lot of questions that they asked, but them three always stuck with me. So for the first one, when he asked about the King and Marcus Garvey thing, of course, it's a huge difference on a historical level, but just what they was able to answer that one for me easier because I was like, there you go, just another motherfucker just hating, always want to say some shit. But what he was really talking about was like, nah, they had similar ideas, you know, and it worked for a minute, you know, some, the Black Wall Street, these different times, they raised their millions, but all of them got killed, got burned down, and we don't want to see that happen to you. So if you're thinking that that's not going to happen, what makes you so different than them? So when he asked him more in detail like that, other guys were saying, well, not saying that just because he got this solution, that don't mean nothing can't happen because it is a difference when, especially a, a black man or a black woman who practice that militancy starts speaking about financial uh, 
advantages and stuff. That's, so I was like, you know, they well, they answered for me. They said, well, you know, King and none of them actually never was able to create the currency like that. It was only just to create some type of marketing or some type of like plan, but not necessarily own the USD like that. So by these cryptocurrencies can actually create and own the currencies and still, of course, pay taxes and apply to the government rules and regulations, but still had this new little way that we can do it. That's one thing, because now we can say, well, every time someone uses this currency, we want this transaction fee to be at this price, and we want a, a, a certain percentage of it to go to this homeless organization or to this podcast organization or to this thing out in Minnesota versus just to some motherfucker who might get some new boots or something, you know, for a war that we don't even care about like this, where, as far as where our tax dollars go on the cryptocurrency side, not the USD side. So that was one thing I was like, okay, so now it's not just about, all right, uh, black folks, white folks, but depending on who we want to talk to, we can make it on a religious base, religion currency, or uh, corporate currency, of course, race currency, however we want to talk about it. The second one was more about the uh, replacing them with the different cryptocurrencies when they uh, excluded and used cash. So we got this partner who got this real nice investment in this uh, cryptocurrency company called Zcash. And he, uh, did, now this, this definitely a cause of scene because when I was in DC, a lot of them white boys was like, man, hold on, this says this, what do you mean you have more than what Google is telling us? And I had to, yeah, and I was explaining to them, like, I'm not out here to explain myself or to be training y'all like that. I'm only out here to compete and win this cryptocurrency. And you know, that's what it was. So I had to let them know that's just an example of you having access to public data. What I'm telling you is something that I have access to private data, but I can't explain it like that because it's like, I ain't on all of that. But my partner, he has over uh, 600 mil in Zcash right now for his public, I mean, private Zcash. So on that note, that's one of, to say the, the least real quick for the new folks that's getting into the blockchain and crypto, that's more, Zcash is like, I would say they got like the blue check mark from the SEC to say the least when it comes to like they platform and things like that. So they didn't kind of went through the, that uh, that storm and made it out good and they've been approved on the federal level. So a lot of folks using them, of course, the government trying to make their own look Zcash to knock them out, but they got the check mark to say the least from the Security Exchange Commission. So with my partner having that, his foot in them like that and uh, already making his investment and getting a nice little uh, position way before I even launched my coin, um, from like more from like a military connection, how he got that type of uh, opportunity. He he good. So we was able to answer them because that Zcash is something that I'm usually talking to wealth owners that's like $200 million and up because that's really for building generational wealth. And when I'm talking to any like black person, especially about building generational wealth, it ain't all right, let's learn, let's learn these skills, make all this money hella fast, whatever. But whatever you decide to do, you could be a farmer, you could be a dentist, I could be the app man, whatever. Once we make our first million, two billion or 200 million, whatever, the idea to put it back in them banks to where they're going to profit off of transaction fees, start having access to all our activity. That's not the way to do it. You can do it with Zcash. It's been federally approved. And if we leave it in Zcash after a amount of time, um, it's just a lot of opportunities on not having to hit too many things on taxes and stuff. Cause a lot of this stuff with taxes really come from just them centralized service and things like that. Everything with this decentralization, decentralized type of uh, creation, it's just good as long as you're paying your taxes. So I was telling them once they exclude them, we would be able to pay them with Zcash because we got such a huge amount of it that we just kind of letting, uh, that we kind of just preserving right now. And when I said that, he was like, you know, I got to, I, I need to connect with you more because he knew that uh, it was legit. And I'm actually had that guy who, who uh, come speak at this conference in July, Jonathan Banks, just to talk more about like some of the rules and regulations from the Federal Reserve side more than just Jared being excited about it. And the last one was about, uh, yeah, we see these gift cards that they able, that they able to use for free because I was giving the example of how the homeless teens in St. Louis in October at Best Buy, how coming up soon in November, followed by Christmas, they'd be able to use them. So they like, you know, it's cool. And I understand that was like an all blacks like an all blacks event. So it was a different type of like questions that hit. But I was explaining to them too when these folks coming outside of. Flow Valley, for my for my experience, they walking past McDonald's, Walmart, Burger King, Starbucks, and all this type of stuff. Of course, until you get some of your companies in St. Louis, especially in Ferguson or West Florida, where they choosing to walk at, then 
then we'll start having more stuff like that when these gift cards for whoever for whatever business that they that you do have in existence start being available where we can get their cards at then we can start doing all this stuff. So um, so I was explaining to him just on the small level to introduce it to him because this is not introducing blockchain and crypto as a career specialist, but just more so as an end user on how to use the product to uh, eat basically for free. And it was coming off of the experience from the little girl in the Juvie Center. And they, and they, and they, and they was, you know, they was, we was all open and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm not, I don't really have an application or a protocol to follow for a black business owner in particular to be on this. And since I'm really doing that for that, let me try to create something. So, um, so November last year, I ended up partnering with, um, Every Child's Hope in an organization called Teens of Tomorrow, which is these organizations that focus on like uh, teens experiencing homelessness and other things as well. And we basically created like this custom link that we sent out to our partners uh, where they could pick students randomly only because they had so many and we had a limited amount due to the funding. But they could basically pick um, one or several if they if we have more they could pick from and one organization got to hit it more than one time but at the first little dibs everybody can use this to pick out a free gift well basically share this with one of the teams who you think just really need this more than the other ones and stuff like that even though they are equal and basically she can pick from these gift cards and then we'll deliver it for free too long as they like within 50 miles of where we uh where we selling them from uh basically giving them away from, but we still making saying that they got to order them, but it's still like a free order. And uh, the first two that did it was Every Child's Hope and Teens of Tomorrow. And uh, it was good because one got an Applebee's, one had got a Texas Roadhouse. And for me, it was just good to see, even though it's limited and uh, it was good on Thanksgiving to say, all right, y'all can use the Kyler coin to order free prepaid gift card that's paid up to $25 and you can have a free meal. And it was just a small example of how you can use cryptocurrency to eat for free. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. Prepaid gift card that's paid up $25, you can have a free meal. And it was just a small example of how you could use cryptocurrency to eat for free versus only using it, only versus only when you had cash or credit. So it was like the three C's. I love that you already kind of embedded the little international experience that's going on because I had of course, folks reaching out and stuff like that after I put this stuff out on social media. And, and closing with this answer, um, I had two organizations that I, that I started with, one in Ghana and Africa and one in, uh, in, the, in the state of India. I can't pronounce it right now at the time, so excuse me. But it was two of them. One was this group of refugees, uh, women that was in this refugees camp that had got rescued from some of these uh, community leaders that was just in some, some tragic situations. I'm not going to say every single one, but I would say at least 85% of these 100 plus women lost their children or husbands just due to different traumatic situations, but they were able to uh, get rescued. And I got connected with a few people who and still currently connected with them. Uh, basically helping these women learn how to uh, learn like different, like, first of all, learn how to read and write a little bit more because they all come from different areas and stuff. Then how to learn different skills. So trying to teach them how to become a baker and then get certified by the NGO so they could start getting some type of business to provide uh, income for themselves. But um, where they at, their location is everything and the wrong location being up. Some people can come and just get them again and it could just be another crazy situation. So with blockchain and cryptocurrency playing a strong role with encryption and uh, making these transactions anonymous and stuff, that was a good example for me to be able to partner with folks to be like, okay, this is how they're going to be able to use it. Even though they do need help gaining some resources and getting their accessories and things like that, all the ingredients, what's more important is to receive all of that without uh, being able to basically give away their location using the Kyla coin. So we was able to do that and uh, we helped them uh, raise about 200 USD 
to convert that into like 900 CDs in Ghana. And they was able to buy all of their accessories and stuff like that just on the first one. The next group was this group in India. And I can share some photos with you and stuff like that. But the next group was with India. And it was a group for orphan children. So this was the reverse now. So these are the kids more so than the parents. And their thing was, again, all of these people just need help raising resources, but it's a lot more than just that. So um, with the students over there, I have them creating something called Smart Art. And basically on the Smart Art, because um, it's like just different groups. So it's like a group in Fiji that had reached out to me in 2014 before I launched a lot of these programs. I mean, in 2013, actually. And uh, they were saying that it was a... Um, this area that's uh, these people that still practice cannibalism like real strong and they wanted me to work with these preschoolers to start doing like these courses to try to help uh, redevelop like new mentalities for new generations and stuff and at that time I was like just working out the hotel that I was living out of so I'm like nah we ain't uh I ain't got resources to be doing stuff like that but now that it's six years down the road I'm like let me make sure I had these kids uh, doing positive stuff too, because them just sitting around seeing all of that stuff, uh, eat regardless if it's people just doing regular, still in the prostitution, whatever the case may be, it's like everybody need to be working. So having them doing smart things and then for every art design they create, they basically make, they uh, earn a certain amount of collar coins for free that they can start making money off of. So that, I and to close with this, Basically, when I first learned about blockchain and Bitcoin and all that, I was gonna do this, uh, this uh, write this crypto, this uh, crypto wallet for this tax company out in Atlanta. And when I was headed back to St. Louis, just for Christmas, the, my Uber driver was asking me, "Have I uploaded a node yet to blockchain?" And I ain't never heard of no node, uh, nothing like that yet. I was just doing my little thing. So I'm like, man, what's, what you talking about? And he was telling me, he was like, well, you know, if you upload a node to it and if it get approved and accepted, you can get some free Bitcoins plus this, this, and the third. I'm like, what? So I'm like, well, let me create something, some type of incentive program to where people can follow us, uh, I guess, a program protocol, then they could be compensated for that. And in this case, if you create smart art, you will make some uh, cryptocurrencies back. And when people use these currencies here in the States, they can start making money from it. Now these like kids and stuff like that. So of course there's some adult who overall are they things. So it's a lot of new developments that's involved right now to make sure that these folks just don't be like finessing these little kids and all that. That's why I made, that's why a lot of the pictures you probably seen last year in November, December, I was in, having the kids hold the gift cards up and stuff like that, just because some of some of the students, you know, they going through stuff, but I experienced a few of them who don't really got the energy or the appetite to eat right now. They just trying to get high. They don't care about how their clothes looking or whatever. They just eat their little burger and fry her in there. But if they got 20 or 30 or $50, they trying to get high. And uh, some of them, you know what I'm saying, I didn't bought little clothes for, they just still sold it and, and things like that. So I'm like, let us try to focus on stuff like food and things like that. So um, that, them, them did some, some pretty interesting things. But when I brought it back to D.C. this year, that's where it was like 20 of the top 100 cryptocurrency companies around the states got invited out to partner up and just open uh, talk about more bigger things. So you had a lot of like Trump supporters. There are a lot of uh, people supporting like organizations based out in Russia and things like that. And I was the only African-American company that had got invited as one of the blockchain companies to come out and pitch and stuff. So competing with them people versus like being, I guess, like the the number one person who probably could talk about it at, uh, in October with blockchain technology for us. But then being they then going to DC and having to compete with like some of the top gurus. But then uh, I we end up having to do this competition, and I end up winning this competition. And it was some pretty tough competitors out there like Master Genesis. That's a blockchain company that can produce over, uh, over I would say, up to 100,000 transactions per second. Um, there was a lot of companies out there. You had people from like Bitcoin and things like that, Litecoin, Patcoin. A lot of us was just doing like a lot of uh, collaborative panel discussions. But at the competition at the end, we had about four minutes to pitch. And I used about two minutes. And I was telling them that uh, everybody out here cannot invest into my currency and cannot just come on board because uh, 
like it was a few pictures that I was noticing that, that that they had around at that event. Like one picture was like the character Uncle Sam with a Tommy gun with like five s- slaves behind him holding white sheets with a pyramid in the background and then an airplane turning. And I wasn't noticing stuff like that until after the fact my photographer was saying, hey man, look at this, look at that, look at that. So I was like, well, you know what? I don't really like this energy like this because we ain't really, no matter what our people's, even though we got some of our people's that sold some of us and stuff, we not finna be glorifying none of that at no event like that. So after I made my pitch and stuff, I actually was leaving out and stuff because uh, after I had uh, did my pitch, I had this guy come up to me and he had, uh, he called me, he told me I look like, a, he said I look like a, I resemble a full blown monkey. And he kind of did his little smile with it and walked out. So I'm like, you know what, F this stuff. I ain't even got time for this stuff because I ain't come out here or even think that these folks will have this type of attitude towards me because it was all good over the phone and via email and stuff like that. And I ain't say nothing racist or, you know, disrespectful to nobody at that conference before, there, or after the fact. So I was like, oh, let me leave. So I ain't even really leave to stay to see everyone who else who pitched. But as uh, soon as I was about to leave, and I literally had my foot on the steps. And it was crazy because as I was walking out, there was these two black dudes walking in. And uh, I was like, all right, somebody I can kind of connect with. But it was almost over with. So they was like, uh, they was like, oh, man, you the black dude that we seen on the website. They was like, why you leave? And I was like, ah, oh, I've been up here all day. Like, it's over with. Yeah, my little talking stuff. They was like, well, we was coming up here to basically... Cause we seen like out of all the speakers, it was one black speaker and we really didn't believe it. No black man knew anything about blockchain, but we looked at your social media profile and seen you was like a legit dude. So we was just interested to see what you could talk about or what you had to talk about it. So as I was about to answer him, that's where the dude come out, Jerry, come in here. You won the contest. You won the contest. So I was about to leave. But uh, after I ended up winning and stuff, of course, you got all of the folks trying to gravitate and connect and things like that in ways they wasn't really trying to do before. So, uh, you know, but then that's where like the little threats come in that. So now I'm getting warned about the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and just these different organizations and families that really run the world through these banks and stuff like that. And uh, so now it's just, so that just made me say, let me, um, let me just launch my own blockchain conference because every time I, even though of course I'm going to keep traveling and keep speaking and stuff like that. But every time I go out of town, it seemed like, uh, I don't know. It just seemed like that they kind of like, it just seemed like it's just a waste of my time. Cause it'd be like the stuff I'd be talking about be some real stuff to be like, all right, a clap or like, Oh man, you're doing great stuff. Keep it up. And it's like, I know I'm doing great work. Like, I know I ain't come out here just to hurry, like, oh, you're awesome, man. Never, never stop. It's like, and then I'm putting up the money for the stuff that I'm investing into with me and my partners and stuff. So it's like, and we ain't really going out trying to sell shit and like milk nobody. So we really trying to just do some stuff and hoping we have a good experience and to see some of that stuff like that. I'm like, oh, nah. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at now is like trying not to just waste my energy my time and stuff like that, not trying to remind somebody, because some of these people think like, uh, like, you know, they just like, just think like, oh man, he just want us to like him. He want us to listen to him talk all day and stuff like that. So now it's been, uh, you know, I had a meeting with the, first, the vice president at First Bank about a month ago and he reached out and he was open, wanted to learn about the stuff and I go in there and I, and, uh, the way he talking and stuff on the phone, you know, everything all good. When I go there, the way he was acting in front of the white folks, he just made, he really missed out on a good opportunity. Like, okay, uh, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. All right. All right. Because, yeah, this is, I think this is also a conversation I was having with you. Um, because, yeah, you're giving too much and you're not getting enough in return. And this is what, and this is why I, I, I again, so let me speak to my audience. I let Jared talk because uninterrupted into now because I need you white folks to understand that black people are doing the same thing you're doing and we're, we're kicking ass. Um, that was one of the things that I, I went to a blockchain um, um, 
talk at SelfConf. Someone wanted me to come in and sit on her t- talk, and everybody was all excited and talking about, oh, it changes the world. And 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 I said, so how is it changing the world for m- marginalized people? And then you know the white guys were like, yeah, they're able to use these um, gift cards. I was like, yeah, but are you showing them how to create their own? Because what you're doing is exploiting the fact that they don't have anything, so white people are still making money off them. And when I said that, everybody shut their mouth because I was like, yeah, unless you're showing them how to create this themselves, you're still benefiting from their trauma. So I don't want to hear about that. And I wanted you to continue to tell this story. And I know some people may think, oh, he was all over the place, but it doesn't fucking matter. He was Mm. you were telling your lived experience. And the bottom line is, and this is something I know I told you then. There is no way in hell you should be talking to some person at a bank and not being paid. Um, there's no way in hell you need to be traveling all over this country or this world for white people and not being paid. Um, there you have a skill set that very few in the black community have because no one is trying to teach us. I mean, until this point, blockchain and particularly Bitcoin has been a white privileged man's game because you had to have the computers, you've had to have the, um, the skills to mine it. All that stuff is capital intensive. Um, and the fact that you can speak to um, these young, the, the trauma in our communities, the fact that you can speak to uh, a young lady who is getting molested and um, is in now in a juvenile detention center just because she wants to eat mm-hmm. when the opportunity is usually prostitution mm-hmm. or stealing. This is where, I, I, again, I never know where these conversations are going, but I'm happy. Um, to have someone like you on here and just let you talk because I need white people to understand we're not having the same fucking experience. We're not, we're not white dude in blockchain and Bitcoin is just like, Oh my God, you are the second coming a black dude doing what you're doing. And then I want to, I, I wanted you to continue to talk because I'm always hearing from white people, what can I do? I don't know what to do. How many fucking things are you doing? I heard, I counted about 10 to 12. So it's like, get off your lazy asses and get to fucking work. If you can't go into these communities and you probably can't because no one's going to trust you, partner with someone like Jared and help him make a difference. Help him change it. Stop sitting on your ass thinking about how this is going to benefit you. We get there together or not at all. And this is why I say white people are the most mediocre people in the, oh my God, you have been allowed to get away with the, just giving the bare minimum effort and getting um, claps on the back. Whereas we constantly have to keep doing and keep outdoing just to, just to keep up. Yeah. I had um, the, the CEO and founder actually of the company Master Genesis that I was telling you about. We had uh, grabbed some Hooters after that uh, pitch competition in D.C. So that was Friday and Saturday. So this probably <clears throat> Sunday morning before we all head back out. And uh, we just chopping it up. So, of course, they trying to figure my stuff out because they walk in there. All right, let the best man win and just acting. This, uh, you know how they do with the white privilege. So uh, after I won the competition and stuff, uh, we had the Hooters the next day. And the guy asked me, like, what is what basically like what are you using and what is this and what is this and what is this just trying to figure it out so i'm like well we basically just have some like some love just kind of just going along and he's like oh so you just got a market share basically and i'm like yeah whatever you want to limit it and call it that's what it is basically so the other guy well it sounds like this is what it is i'm like you know what you're right that's what it actually is so one dude say oh, well you know uh i mean i want to partner with you and stuff like that and you know it sounds great and man, you're doing some very great stuff, but, you know, I can't go to jail. So I'm like, I don't know what he meant by that, but all I could take it is that whoever was buying my my coins was like, it was some dope money or something illegal. So he said it like yeah, two, three yeah. times and stuff. And after a while, I'm like, well, something probably wrong with you then. So I'm like, well, look here, regardless of whatever you're talking about, I said, if we take our seatbelt off the wrong way, or if one of our little female cousins at the pool party, the doing nothing wrong, she might get ass slammed, we might get shot, just taking off the seatbelt the wrong way, or just listening to what the officer telling us to do. We got a legal right to have firearms on us. We have a legal right to have them in Missouri. It's open carry and stand your ground now as of the first edition of last year. So it's like, we, we can do that. So it's like, it don't matter 
what we do right, we still fuck around, get killed type shit, doing the wrong thing because how scared y'all is of us. So, so when it comes to this crypto and blockchain shit, I, I don't have no room to fuck up. I don't have no room to be double checking exactly. and y'all not gonna be exactly because your ass will be in federal right, fucking prison. Right. And I don't have no yes. no no room <laughs> of for y'all to be any source of validation for me. So it's just like. Exactly. So I had to let them know everything that I do right don't even matter because I'm still black. So it's like, like, oh well, see, you better than me because I would have snapped on his ass the first time he said something about going to mm. fucking jail. I was like, what the fuck you mean? <laughs> you, you so much better than me because I would have snapped on that. I would have snapped on that monkey ass comment. I would have been like, what the fuck you mean? Why are you calling me a monkey? You think that mm. shit's funny? I would have snapped on all of that. And see, I get why you can't because as a black man, you cannot do that. And I, mm. yeah. So I get so there's a whole bunch of shit that you've been on um, these. They're not even microaggressions. They're fucking outright racist ass comments that people are saying to you as you hustle, as you make good for your fucking community. While all these lazy ass white people sit around and I hope you and I would kick your ass if you give them any opportunity to steal or copy mm. your shit. Oh, yeah. And, and that's and that's me to you. I'm not fucking playing with you. I'm, you. You laughing? There's not a smile on my face. I'm not fucking laughing because what they will do is steal your shit because they they take all our shit anyway. And what you're trying to do is uplift the fucking community. We can't afford for you to give away our give away mm. your knowledge. Yeah, I I, I actually I, I really really respect the honor of that statement because I think this is like when I talk to like. Um, Mm, I would say like it's just different stuff. So it's like one of my coin investors' daughter is an FBI agent. His, one of them sons is a sheriff. One of them work at Sterling Bank. So one of them a former city manager over a budget of thirty plus M for a few years. So some of them got different brackets, and some of them just the average Joe's just trying to figure it out. But they been seeing me do my stuff for a good six, seven years way before I focused on trying to profit. And um, so different. So it's always just different levels. But with the, the higher class, I would say when I won that contest in D.C., the next invites that I had was for the to speak at the Kentucky Derby out in um, Venezuela and London and stuff like that. And uh, I personally believe that was like like the winning was more kind of set up to kind of just keep me close to kind of just get in my brain a little bit more, more so than like my actual work, because. I focused on people more than product. And the only people who I was presenting was homeless, starving people in Africa, locked up teens and juvenile in St. Louis and these kids in Ferguson. It wasn't really nothing else. It wasn't no profit like that. So to win that like that, it was kind of interesting. And I've only sold 15 coins. So to have a folks who can do 100,000 transactions per second and just stuff like that. I'm like, well, we ain't got the top notch stuff. And then... What's even more interesting is I was I got connected with Dr. Dre, uh, the front, the uh, the guy who was doing on MTV Yo with Ed Lover, not the one with uh, the producer Dr. Dre. So he's out of New York, and man, he been nothing but. I know he gonna listen to this. I'm gonna share this with him actually. But uh, man, he been nothing but like all support, literally like a big brother and stuff. And uh, he reached out. He heard this. He was actually on this phone conference that I was on last year and heard me speaking about my whole just. My, just what I got going on. And he reached out to me. We got connected and just been rocking hard. So he was telling me, uh, similar to what you said, he said, when you go out there, you know, in DC, you know, give me, your, you know, don't, if you know, if you get him your best slice of pizza and you know, that's your best slice in the box and they act like it ain't nothing, try to give it back, spit it out, whatever. Don't even give him no more pizza. And, uh, well, he better than me. Cause I would say, I wouldn't give him the best slice. Mm. Don't nobody deserve the best slice. Just give him a slice of pizza. Now, what the fuck they do with it is what the fuck they do with it. Because again, we have to understand that. <sighs> okay. So, and this is why I've been following you. And this is why I told, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you and I are going to stay in touch. You have to be mindful that you have something that is so disruptive. This is about the, uh, the economy. You have a way, because our economy is based on white supremacy. It was structured and founded on the, um, the enslavement of, black, of Africans and the, uh, and the annihilations of indigenous people. That is what our whole economy, economy is based on. And this is why I don't get this whole shit about um, this is new. We're not. No, this is what you you has always been based on. What you have, sir, and I need you to understand this. So I need you to take a breath and listen to what I'm saying to you. 
what you have in your possession, in your in your knowledge base, in the core of your being is a way to fundamentally dismantle white supremacy in our economic system. That's what you have. Now, I need you to think about how powerful that is, how, how, because you're not just somebody who's talking about, because like most people be talking about blockchain and they ain't doing shit, talking about Bitcoin and you're making connections that other people aren't making. You're in circles that other people aren't in. You're being, you, so you need to be mindful. They don't need even the pie. They just need to know that it exists. Mm. If they want a slice of pie, they need to pay up. They need to pay up for the pie. And you still don't give them your best slice. Man, you, man, I got to, you know, I, let me, let me piggyback on that. When I was on the movie Roots, I just remember I had watched it some time ago when I graduated high school, just to kind of get refreshed. And uh, uh, it was one of the, the guys on there who was, who had a job of a slave. He had to, he went to this little local smart or whatever, and he pulled just a change out. And he, of course, at the time, he didn't know how to account it, or he probably even know what it was. So the white guy just kind of pulled it out and he got his little stuff and kept it moving. So and uh, so it was like, I think this watching that and then because uh, I've always been like that one in my little group that been like uh, just only knowing what I know with this tech stuff, but not with other stuff. So I've never actually dealt with nobody. I've seen racist stuff. And of course, white folks look at you crazy and all that on some like St. Louis stuff. But like far as the Kyla Dadayo stuff, this was the first time that I had somebody come at me and say something that bluntly. And, and I know the people who organized that event talking about me like that, I'm sure, because they these are people, these tickets cost a lot of money to come to this event and for a person like myself to win that. Like, if, let's say, like, same thing, like, like with Thomas or something, like, if he went in the competition out there at Target and, and I go say some crazy stuff, more likely it's probably because, you know, me and Greg probably talking, but if it's just something that I'm saying, then I might mess my connection up with Greg or something like that, and that would be dumb to do if I'm trying to build with them and things like that so for him to say something like that i'm like i know that y'all talking like this so he probably telling you to say this because when i told him back to him he like well like if i told you like cam somebody caught me this at your event or what what, what, do you know who it was nah but if you can run the cameras by me again i could definitely point out who walked up to me and you can let me know who that is oh uh, well that's not you know what well, well, you know we my dad told me we all believe the same each other. oh hell no no exactly nope so, that motherfucker needs to go oh, yeah. show me who he is <laughs> so that motherfucker needs oh, yeah. to go so that's that so that's the first part so and, and I always think about them like Columbine situations so when I got to like make so I, cause I stayed to Monday night so Sunday everybody else left I went left my uh Monday evening so Monday afternoon pretty much everybody went flew back out that way i'm just in the hotel and i got this other comment which i deleted like a month ago but it was some guy and he had to be with the military but i think he was like some other military or something but he i just know he uh get the post and a lot of little just bs comments on my instagram and he basically was like and i I had literally an all black jacket all black jeans black shoes black had no logos on nothing but he are like uh wow the stylish nigga uh What's so impressive about this? Is he curing cancer? And I looked at him like, so I'm like going his profile pitch, and I just see at least like seven AR rifles, maybe yep. on the floor, two of them on his bed. I don't think you them. know, because again, <sighs> well, what you saying, Miss Kim? That's why I'm really sharing these stories because yes, I exactly no, and I'm happy you are because I need people to understand. I need my audience to understand while you're sitting on your hands and doing absolutely nothing, wringing your hands like, "Oh, I don't know what to fucking do." We're we have always been the change makers. We have always been disruptive, but to but that comes at a cost to us, mm. and it's usually our fucking lives, mm. and so. No one's trying to be a martyr here. Fuck y'all. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to die for this shit because this makes absolutely no sense. This is 2019. This is the uh, information economy. What What is different though is before we didn't have, we had to, for, particularly for the stuff you're doing, and just like me, for me to have a podcast, there would have been so much overhead that I couldn't afford to have a podcast. Now I just need a mic um uh, uh and uh, a subscription to zoom um and um a twitter account or a website to 
to to get it up on, you know, Spotify or whatever. It, it costs me ne- next to nothing to do this. So for you, and I, this is what I'm trying to get, want you to understand before we leave this conversation. This, I need you to understand that what you're trying to, what you're attempting to do, is so revolutionary. Mm. This is Malcolm. This is. Marcus Garvey. This is Martin Luther mm-hmm. King. This is Nipsey Hussle, but on a whole nother level. This is disrupting the economic system of white supremacy. And I need you to, I need you to grasp that. And it's not about ego. It's not about, you've just tapped into something and it's like ignorance is bliss, but being ignorant can cause you harm. It's, and I'm not saying that it's, you're going to be attacked or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But you're giving, you're, you're giving nature. These folks ain't in your community. They don't deserve mm. shit from you without getting paid. Mm. And they don't deserve your best. Period. Man, I, and, I, and if I could close with one thing, too. The guy in Africa that I uh, helped raise the funds to, he said he'd been trying to do. Now, it was a few parts that I couldn't help out with, of course, because it's a huge demand. But just one thing that I was blessed to be able to come through on, he was saying just that small piece He's been trying to do that for the last 12 years, what I helped him do in one day, of course, only through the blessings of God. But he was saying this this the first time that he not only did he get the first piece accomplished, this the first time in 12 years where he was able to raise funds like this without no white man being involved at no point. And I think that that was important because I like I'm thinking about stuff like. To a, to a certain degree, like, all right, well, we still kind of got Western Union being involved. And he's like, man, that ain't even what I'm talking about. I'm just saying the whole, how I got connected with you, everything, you paying $200 in USD and that converting to 900 CDs over here. He said to get 900 CDs in one day, you don't understand how that's impossible. And uh, so I was like, just, just for him to say that, I basically in the last 12 years we've been trying to do this part and now that we've been able to do it we've ne- we never done like nothing like this without some white man being involved not to exclude and stuff like that because some good white folks out there but you know what i'm trying to say for what we for the ones who ain't all good oh you ain't got to explain yeah, it yeah. to this audience and if you think if they think they do they can get kiss my ass because this is why i'm not here to explain shit. Man, i love that i love this it this is not for their comfort they need to get uncomfortable with the fuck with the reality of life they've been I really believe that this is the second time, could be the third, fourth, fifth, but just far as my understanding the history, like the second time that really currency has been uh, created and, and, and released, but now it's in a way where we can kind of control it because I didn't have the Security Exchange Commission, ACH, Federal Reserve, all of these folks, they didn't, my, they didn't, my site didn't been down this year for two weeks straight. Like they've been trying to do all that other little stuff now. And uh, man, I had some real, real crazy folks like like I had stalkers for the first time. Uh, yeah, you need to like real, real stuff. That's what and, I'm saying, uh, and I'm and that's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't think you grasp mm. because you're. I'm going to be honest. You're naive. You're you're thinking about Ferguson. You're thinking about St. Louis. Mm. This is not. This is so much bigger than that. The fact mm. that you can fundamentally shift how people in Africa are able to access funds and not have to go through traditional white supremacist system mm. is fundamental. I need you to under, I need you to take some time after this call and I need you to think about that because mm. you don't get it. And I see it. I, mm. I, I definitely see where you are, have the potential to fundamentally up in when we talk about, when I talk about dismantling white supremacy, which I don't talk about a lot anymore. Cause that's just a whole bunch of just emotional sh- labor for me but i talk about it here because we're talking about tech tech has been the thing to democratize how we get into this space and this is why i'm so hell-bent on removing gatekeepers removing barriers this is why i I talk to white people the way i do because you don't get the right to stop us from being and succeeding with technology anymore you don't get that right and so i just need you to understand sir that you're on to something and you need to be mindful of who you give that to. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. Yes, ma'am. So in our closing moments, what do you want? What are, is, is there anything you like to say? Yeah, uh, we just released our Kyler.io mobile AI assistant as of this morning. So for any listeners who's interested in connecting and following us, 
you can actually text uh, the word Kyler Support, one word, no spaces, K-Y-L-A-R-S-U-P-P-O-R-T to the number 555-888. And from there, you'll be able to start getting connected with a lot of good information. And we just released that as of this morning. So uh, you'll be able to get trauma support information for our conference, all of our uh, STEM classes, strictly from that uh, Kyler.io assistant. And also, we'll just make sure that that, um, that that information is in your show notes on when the show airs so that it's always um, available for people when they come to this episode. Thank you, Jared, so much for being so transparent and for doing the work that you do. Um, I knew when I met you a year ago, it's not, it hasn't even been a year that you were doing something special. And I, to- and I mean, I'm not lying here. And you know what? I told you that then, that you had a message that had to get out um, so thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, thank you as well. And thank you for having me on. And I look forward to uh, coming back soon. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.